0: Welcome back to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. I am your host, Griffin Youngs. We've got two playoff games in the books, but first a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. It's playoff time, big stakes, and bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over-under will drop by one point. Every better who hammers the over in the featured game helps to lower the game's over-under. And the best part is, is that even as the line doubles, the odds remain at even money. So you can double your money just by hammering the over. But if basketball is not for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has plenty of odds and live props for everything that has to do with the Stanley Cup playoffs, which have been excellent so far. So if you want to get yourself even more invested in these games, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. So you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. They are the place for you as the playoffs get underway. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the overhitting, so tell your friends and, and family because this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So we've got Games 1 and 2 in the books. It is currently a very late night for me here on the East Coast, so let's not waste any time getting right into it. The Colorado Avalanche win Games 1 and 2 over the St. Louis Blues and will take a 2 to nothing series lead on the road to St. Louis for Games 3 and 4 with the opportunity for a sweep. Avalanche win game one by a final score of four to one, and game two by a final score of six to three. Now, I will say I much preferred game one in this series in terms of dominance. Game one, the Avalanche completely dominated the St. Louis Blues. Jordan Bennington held the Blues in this game for a little while, one one heading into the third period, but eventually the dam breaks, and Nathan McKinnon puts on a show. The rest of the way, the Avalanche pull away with three goals in the third period. This was a mismatch in this first game. Yes, the score was close. Yes, Bennington held the minute with some outstanding saves, but everything that the Blues tried to do in this game failed. Avalanche admittedly get off to a bit of a slow start, but after about five-minute mark of the first period, the Avalanche were in complete control of this game. They outshoot the Blues 18-5 in the opening period. And Gabe Landeskog dropping the gloves with Braden Shen inside the first 10 minutes after a knee-on-knee hit on Miko Rantanen. And he doesn't just fight Braden Shen. He beats the absolute breaks off of him. This is not a close fight. Shen lands one good punch. Landeskog lands about 10. Shen ends up turtling on the ice, and the tone is set for not only this game, but the rest of the series. That, sure, the Blues' plan in this series is to come in and intimidate the Avalanche. They did no such thing in this game. They tried to go after Rantanen. It ended with Shen turtling on the ice after a beatdown from the captain. Vladimir Tarasenko tries to hit Nathan McKinnon in the third period. Tarasenko bounces off of him like McKinnon is just a brick wall which he essentially is McKinnon is just an animal and we are going to talk about just how much of an animal Nathan McKinnon is because we all we all know Nathan McKinnon's good right I think that's no bold takes only on this show Nathan McKinnon pretty all right at hockey he has taken his game to a whole other level in these first two games you you can argue the avalanche don't win game two without nathan mckinnon in this game he is a one-man demolition crew and he essentially single-handedly has this series two to nothing right now but staying on track with the first game kale mccarr opens the scoring in this series with a power play goal such incredibly smooth skating and wires one past Jordan Bennington for the game's opening goal. The score would remain the same for the rest of the period. It stays 1 0. Second period, usually the Avalanche's best period. Not the case in this game. This was definitely the Blues' best period of the game, even if the Avalanche still did dominate it in a way. Miko Rantanen is absolutely robbed by Jordan Bennington with probably what's going to hold up as at least a top 3 save from this playoffs it could hold up as the best i mean for what like how many days in are we like 5 days into the playoffs too early to say right now but this is this is a damn good save like if you didn't see it if you can remember Philip Grubauer with the the raising the toe save back against Calgary in 2019 right before Nathan McKinnon's game winner It was essentially that, I mean, a better pass from Kadri, Rantanen scores this goal, Rantanen lifts the puck a little more, he scores this goal, but what can he do sometimes? It wasn't like he didn't lift the shot, he did lift the shot, Bennington lifted his leg and made an outstanding save and That was not the only amazing save Jordan Bennington made in this period. It was was getting to a point that it was like, oh man, Bennington's going to keep them in this game and he might keep them in this series. And that feeling only intensified as Jordan Kairou ties the game at one late in the second period as the Avalanche are dominating this game and... I personally was not that nervous. I was, there was that little voice in the back of my head that was like, oh, Bennington, he's going to steal it. But the rational part of me was like, we are out shooting the Blues at this point in the game about 32 to 16. We are doubling them up in shots. They've gotten one goal. Bennington's good, but he's not going to save 50 shots, which is what the Avalanche ended up putting on net in this game. 50 shots. 50 shots. You're going to break eventually. I don't care how good you are. That's exactly what happened. And if you had any nerves going into the third period, they were immediately washed away by Nathan McKinnon, scoring 30 seconds into the period. Gabriel Landeskog making this entire play happen with some beautiful play along the boards. Rantanen feeds in front. McKinnon buries it over the shoulder of Jordan Binnington. 30 seconds into the period, all nerves immediately go away. This is where the avalanche really pulled away. In this game, McKinnon blasts a shot from the point that's tipped by Landis Gogg on another power play to put him up three to one and then an empty netter from McKinnon again, his second of the night to seal the game at four to one. They really did not let the blues even they didn't let the blues have a chance in the third period. Even when they're up three to one, if you cropped out the scoreboard and sat me down for the final 10 minutes of that game. I would have assumed that the Blues were winning or that the game was tied. They completely dominated the Blues. They didn't let off the gas whatsoever. I'd say they had the better scoring chances. And when Bennington went to the bench, it did not take long for McKinnon to pot that into the empty net. This was just not close, really. Really just everything you want in a playoff game. Yes, the Blues got a great performance from Jordan Bennington in this one. I mean, he made 47 saves, and it didn't matter. Like, that's got to be disheartening to see, as if you're the Blues, that your goalie played that well, and you lost by three goals. And even if you take away the empty net, you still lost by two goals. You were completely dominated. Their plan of trying to beat up on the abs and intimidate them, failed spectacularly. And you could see the frustration as the final horn sounded as Grubauer gets into it with some guys in front of the net, and Jordan Bennington tries to act like a tough guy and tries to skate across the ice, pointing his stick at Grubauer like he's going to fight him. Let's let's get this out of the way. Jordan Bennington is the biggest poser in the NHL. He's very, very tough when the refs are holding him back. He will never actually drop the gloves. If you've seen him drop the gloves back in the AHL, you'd know this guy is not a fighter. He's not going to fight Philip Grubauer. He's not going to fight anybody. And I love the Landeskog quote from after the game where he's like, yeah, let him try. He's not going to make it to Grubauer if he tries to start that. I just love that. That post-game interview from Landeskog was just absolutely beautiful to me, like, that whole game was just a was just a three course meal. The f- first period was this is, the third period was just all you can eat porterhouse. After the second period was maybe a bit of salad, but that third period was just outstanding, amazing to watch, dominant hockey. And that interview after the game was just a rich, decadent chocolate cake. Just a beautiful interview from the captain. Talking about, like, I-, I didn't really think the hit on Rantanen was that dirty. I just wanted to get some energy in the building with that fight. Like, the captain of the team, and he said he's saying he enjoyed it. He enjoyed the fight. Standing up for his teammates, it was just—it was amazing. I loved the third period of this game. One of the best periods I think this team has played all year, and I loved that they did not back down to the Blues one bit, and I would say they won the physicality aspect of this game, as well as essentially— everything else that went along with it this was a dominant game from a dominant team against an outmatched opponent and we're remember i'm well aware of game two we're just looking at this game in a vacuum if you're waiting for what i have to say about game two i'm going to get to it and i will address the elephant in the room that came with the third period of that game so don't worry i'm going to get to it i just want to talk about this game first. I don't want to wash right over this game, but if I have some some negatives to take from this game, can't be all positive. It's that uh, Patrick Nemeth is done. I don't want to see him anymore in the lineup. I've had enough. Everybody's had enough. The trade's not working. He's just not the guy here. If Bo Byram is healthy, he needs to come in, and I will expand on that more once we talk about the second game, because it was worse in the second game. This game... Ultimately, didn't make anything that cost the Avalanche, but he turned over the puck a bunch on some ill-advised passes. He just struggles with the puck too much, and on a team as good as the Avalanche, he's just on the ice for way too many shots against compared to shots for. His Corsi events, I believe, in this game were—I don't have it in front of me. Was it twenty to? I think it was twenty to seven. Like, in this game, where the Avalanche doubled up the blues in shots, like, that's just not good enough. And also, Landeskog, with the Gordie Howe hat trick, with the goal assist and the fight, first one, I believe, for the Avalanche, I believe, in a, in decades, I believe. But this was just, this, this game was just great to watch. They came into this game ready. And it feels like the Blues kind of gave them what they could handle and gave them their best shot. Maybe not on offense, but with Bennington, that's a game that you need to steal if you're the Blues. Your goalie just made 47 saves, and you couldn't even come close. That's got to be disheartening if you're the Blues, but great win for the Avs. Lead the series 1-0, setting the stage for game number two in this series, and I didn't even have the opportunity to see the first goal of this game because of how quick it went into the net. Ryan Graves takes a shot from the point deflected by Jonas Donskoy 35 seconds into the game before the game between the Hurricanes and the Predators has even wrapped because apparently they must make national audiences watch a game that is over and not watch the beginning of a game that is just starting. But Donskoy... 35 seconds into the game, his first goal of the playoffs, tipping a Ryan Graves shot. Avalanche immediately have all of the momentum in the building. Everyone's feeling good about themselves. Late in the first period, Nathan McKinnon, power play goal. He's already got three on the series, and he is not quite done yet. 2-0 Avalanche after the first period. Another dominant period for this team, and then it kind of stopped as weird as it sounds it kind of just stopped the avalanche kind of stopped being dominant and all of a sudden the blues were kind of getting back in this game slowly but surely but they were slowly starting to get back in this game all of a sudden the shots start to turn around in their favor and it starts not looking good for a second there. Now, obviously, I am talking about after the Avalanche take a 3 to nothing lead. Jonas Donskoy, his second of the night. Nathan McKinnon making the whole thing happen with another shot from the point, which is... I'm almost shocked at how well that's working. He In this series, he has created a goal on that three times. <laughs> like, this is not a joke. I don't know how that, like, high-point shot is working so well. I don't know if he's just can do the math in his head, the exact trajectory that Jordan Bennington can't see the puck and can just find a way to wire that puck into the net through traffic, but he is just a goddamn wizard. But after that goal goes in, it's about three minutes into the second period, the Blues really do kind of take over this game and take it take it from the man himself, Nathan McKinnon, with the quote after the game saying, that wasn't a great game by us by any means. The Blues kind of took over for the second half of the game, and he's completely right. The Blues absolutely took over this game in the second half, and thank God the Avalanche started as well as they did because it m- seemed like maybe... They took their foot off the gas a little bit, or at least the rest of the guys did. Nathan McKinnon was still excellent in this game from start to finish. Like This little lull in the middle of the game was not at all from McKinnon. It was really more from the rest of the guys. The Blues start to impose their game, which they've been doing and trying to do, but... They've had a lot more pushback in Game 1 and in the first period of this game, and then it kind of just seemed like we we let them do it, and they start getting a lot more shots on net. The Avalanche have a lot more trouble getting into the zone, and it it stopped looking like the dominant team that I was absolutely pumped for after Game 1, the dominant team that just completely boat raced St. Louis Blues out of the building. This looked like kind of a mediocre team and just kind of meh. Really just kind of meh. And it all culminates with the Blues getting back on the board here. And it was basically right after I tweeted that the Blues had taken over this game and the Abs had taken their foot off the gas. Case in point, Jordan Cairo, or I'm sorry, I'm still looking at game one, it was not Jordan Cowder. Sammy Blay gets the Blues back on the board to make it 3-1 to one with about four minutes left to go in the second period. And this was really caused by Patrick Nemeth. This was a Patrick Nemeth-caused goal against, I mean, just a terrible turnover in the zone and a bit of a strange angle goal on Grubauer, but I didn't really think it was his fault but this is what happens when you try to slack off and they didn't really seem like they were in trouble for the longest time even after this goal I wouldn't say they were in trouble at any point but you're gonna get punished if you play like that and you're gonna get punished if you keep playing Patrick Nemeth in this lineup he's just not the answer here he's just not good enough the turnover in the zone leading to the goal against with all of his passes that just get constantly picked off and he doesn't really do much, doesn't really do anything compared to all the other guys waiting in the wings. If Bo Byram is healthy, you have to play him. You can't keep running this back with Patrick Nemeth. You need to try something else. Jacob McDonald would be better in this lap. I would take Dan Renouf over Patrick Nemeth right now. I know Dan Renuff is not very good and not what you want in the playoffs, but I think he would just make smarter decisions, I guess. Like, I just... The square peg is never going to fit in the round hole no matter how many times you try to slam it. Like, no matter how much you try to force it, it's just not going to work. So you just got You gotta cut bait when you can, and I don't know if there's this just disconnect between the organization and the fans and what we're seeing on the ice but I just don't understand why we are insisting on doing this when he is a liability. I don't know what else to call him. He is a liability and it's just there's there is a weakness on this team when he's on the ice. Yes, every team has their weaknesses, but we have the option to not have it. We can just take him out of the lineup like the the Nemeth and Graves pairing is the is the weak point of this team right now. And it got exposed here. And you can't keep running this back with him in Game 3. you got to try something else. So the Blues get back on the board in the second period. Score remains the same as we head into the third. And yeah, um, we need to address the elephants in the room here. Nazem Kadri with a horrible hit on... Justin Falk about what was this seven minutes into the period just pure head contact nothing but head Falk is out cold on the ice Kadri is booted from the game with a five minute major Braden Shen makes it a one goal game on the ensuing power play and I would not be surprised at all if we don't see Kadri for at least the rest of this first round because If you're unaware of Kadri's history in Toronto, this is the third time this has happened now for Kadri in just the first round. When the Maple Leafs played the Bruins in 2018 and 2019, Nazem Kadri was unavailable for them after the first two games because he had gotten himself suspended for stupid shit like this. This was... A ridiculous play by Nazem Kadri, and the fact that this is going to now be three times in four years in the first round that he is going to be suspended completely makes me rethink my position on keeping him. This, this is how we acquired Nazem Kadri from Toronto, because he wasn't there for them in the playoffs when they needed him against Boston, and now that's going to be us. We saw what happened last year in the bubble. Nazem Kadri was a point-per-game player in the bubble, essentially. He had 18 points in 15 games in the playoffs. He had half of his point production from the regular season that season in 15 games compared to 51 in the regular season that year. That alone made the Kadri trade look like an absolute stroke of brilliance from Joe Sakic. but now... I'm questioning whether or not you protect him in the expansion draft. I'm questioning whether or not you don't cut bait. I, like, this this is crazy. I, I don't know a way that Kadri gets back on the ice in this series. Because, I didn't even mention this, but the second time that this happened to Kadri in Toronto... He was suspended for the rest of the first round. They didn't give him, like, a number of games. They suspended him for the rest of that series. So just looking at the natural progression here, is it going to be the same punishment because it's been two years and he hasn't been suspended since, like, or the repeat offender rules in the NHL? Or are they going to remember this and it's going to be more? Are we potentially looking at going through the first two rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs without Nazem Kadri? And let's just put it out there: Are we going to potentially be looking at going through the Stanley Cup playoffs without Nazem Kadri? Now, on that last one, I think no. I saw that thrown out there a little bit. I think that's extreme. Like I, that's a that's a that's a brutal punishment. Like you consider that a baby's basically. A playoff game is two or three regular season games in, in terms of scaling with punishment. Like at that point, you're talking like almost half a season of a suspension, which, when you really think about it, is not that unfair. When you look at this hit, like I've I've been I've been trying to scroll and find it while I'm talking about it because for some reason I guess my page reloaded and I lost the the hit, but. There was no reason to make this hit. All he has to do is kneel into it and just just don't just don't hit people in the head. It's really not that hard. And it's not like, oh, the Falk kneeled down or something, or he was like lower, or this wasn't that bad. He saw it the whole way, puts his shoulder into it, and blows up his head. Like there is no if and or buts about it. This is an awful awful hit. No excuse for it. No reason for it to happen. It's, there's no body contact. There's no part of it that rides up or any part of it that is unfortunate. This is every bit of a hit that you are trying to get out of the game. And like, I am an Avalanche fan. I don't want Kadri to be suspended, but I cannot sit here and justify that. I can't sit here and be like, oh, that's actually not that bad because blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's every bit as awful as it looks. And he deserves to have the book thrown at him. And whatever punishment he gets, it's his fault. I, I think just missing him for the rest of the first round might be dodging a bullet. I think this could be bad. I think this could be very, very bad with a head hit, with as much force as it was, knocking Falk onto the ice that hard, unconscious, eyes open, like eyes open kind of unconscious, that kind of scary play. It's It was bad. It was just really bad. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Just an awful hit from Nazem Kadri that is going to have severe consequences on this team. Severe consequences. And Kadri's play this season uh, does not justify that kind of hit nothing nothing would let's make one thing clear nothing would justify that hit but nothing he did this season now justifies his spot in the lineup for next season if you are going to take yourself out of the playoffs for the third time in four seasons and this is the reason that you were acquired by the Colorado Avalanche because the Maple Leafs were done with you because you could not be relied on when the playoffs come. You were suspended for that entire series and traded from the team that drafted you basically 10 years ago, a team that you had been through the ringer with, that you have been through all the shit years and went back to the playoffs with them three times, you bottomed out with them, and you got yourself suspended in that series and you get yourself traded out of town. Like this, Kadri almost went to Calgary. He nixed the first trade to Calgary, but Colorado wasn't on his modified no trade clause that he had. And he ultimately couldn't nix the trade here because he didn't want to get traded from Toronto, but he did get traded here. You'd think that would wake you up. And it seemed like it did last year. He was pretty clean last year. He was just like a little bit of the team rat that gets under everyone's skin. There was much less of that this season outside of a select few games against the Ducks, and he's been ice cold for most of this season, as has been well documented that he has struggled this season immensely on the second line, and for really no reason. And coming into this game, I thought game one he played well despite not getting on the scoreboard ultimately, and... In this game, he picks up an assist on the opening goal. I thought he looked good, and I, th- I think he was on the verge of starting to put up some points and some goals in this series. But now we'll never find out because he's going to be gone. Like, the next time we talk, which is going to be— I'm going to record on Sunday, I'd probably following Game 4 from St. Louis. Uh, this suspension is going to be well a thing in the past. We're going to be two games into it, and— I can tell you right now, they're going to throw the book at him simply because of the fact, like just, just because of the circumstances, like it is the first two games of the first round again, and you are about to make yourself unavailable to your team again because of another terrible play. Like you, you just can't make that up. It is careless and it is, it's quite frankly, it is spitting in the face of the organization. You can call it what it is. This team has put a lot of faith in you. Your teammates put a lot of faith in you. And you know what? The other team puts a lot of faith in you to not give them brain damage when you're stepping out onto the ice and you're going to go out and pull something like that. I am I'm very pissed about this. This is ridiculous from Kadri. And the punishment that is coming his way, he deserves completely. There was nothing about this hit that was clean or unfortunate or that could have been avoided. I mean, this whole hit could have been avoided if he just simply doesn't do what he does here. It's quite that simple. And I kind of just brushed over the fact that he almost let the Blues completely back into this game. They had a five-minute all-you-can-eat power play, and they scored on it. This game is now 3-2, to with like a little less than halfway to go in the third period. It's a game now. It's a one-goal game, and they still have... I believe about two minutes left to go on that power play. They can score again here, and we could have been talking about a tie game. We could have completely blown that 3-0 lead, and yes, we would have deserved it with how we were playing, but the blame would fall square onto the shoulders of Nazem Kadri for that horrific play. But fortunately, the Avalanche's penalty kill kills the rest of it off, and the panic dies there. They get... The goal back from Nathan McKinnon just a bit later, with a little under five minutes to go. He makes it four to two with a, just another amazing play. I mean, thank God for Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon is our Lord and Savior right now, with how he has played through these first two games of the playoffs. Just unfucking believable. Seven. Points in two games and five goals himself five goals himself there's a bit of an error on the nhl site right now where it says all of the avalanches final three goals were shorthanded goals i can tell you for a fact that's not true the even strength goal from mckinnon to make it 4-2 empty netter from Saad. empty netter from mckinnon And McKinnon picking up the hat trick in this game and four points. I mean, this guy, this fucking guy. I said last episode when I was with the Blue Notes guys that Nathan McKinnon has a switch that he flips when the playoffs come. And even I did not expect this. This is unbelievable. And after seeing the egg that Connor McDavid laid tonight against Winnipeg where he musters a meager two shots on goal and a minus two... Nathan McKinnon right now, right now in the Stanley Cup playoffs, not in their careers as a whole, is the best player in these playoffs right now. He is dominant, and he has completely destroyed the St. Louis Blues. So looking at these two games as a whole, the Blues gave the avalanche just about all they could handle, and Jordan Bennington stands on his head in game one. They lose by three, and they only muster one goal. This game, the Blues, for 66% of this game, dominated. After the 3-0 goal, this was the Blues game. And the Avalanche after the first period, led in shots 19-6. to The shots on goal in the game finished 35-35. The Blues came back hard in this one, and they made this a hockey game. And the, the score ultimately might not show it with the 6-3 final, but don't let it fool you. I mean, McKinnon gets the goal to make it 4-2. to two. 15 seconds later, Mike Hoffman makes it 4-3. to three. Just a complete waste of momentum, and now all of a sudden, it's a game again. First of all, you need a save from Grubauer there, but also Nemeth is pinching really far down into the zone. Jost doesn't really properly back-check enough, and Gerard is kind of left to deal with the mess. Could have played it a little better in this one with that odd-man rush, but... Wasn't like that wasn't impossible, save for Grubauer. It kind of goes through him, and I would have liked to see better from that. The play goal that Bennington gave up the first Blues goal wasn't perfect either, but I'm not going to say that Bennington was bad in this one. He wasn't. I'm not Bennington, I'm sorry. Grubauer was bad in this one because he wasn't. He was fine, 9-14, and he was obviously very, very good in Game 1 for that only letting in one goal against. So looking at as a whole, even though the Blues kind of made this game interesting towards the end. Avalanche are in real good shape. It's hard not to be in good shape being up 2 to nothing in the series, but the Blues gave them what they could handle. The Avalanche took it on the chin with a 5-minute power play for the Blues that they ultimately converted on, but the Avalanche survived and stormed back and still scored another goal to put this game out of reach. And yes, the Blues made it a game again, but the game was out of reach. That goal from McKinnon was the game-winning goal. It put the game out of reach. So as we move to St. Louis for games three and four, I think this series is going to get interesting. I don't I don't know about a sweep, to be honest. Yes, the Avalanche are 1 billion percent the better team here, but this is hockey. Jordan Bennington has proven that he is capable of Playing in this series and can weather a storm does put up an 879 in this one. He wasn't nearly as good in this, but he's shown that he can be. And the Blues, they showed in this game that if the Avalanche take some time off and start taking the game a little lightly, then yeah, this is probably going to start to become more of a series. So, do I expect a sweep? If the Avalanche play their best, yes. If they show up in games three and four and continue to take it to the Blues as much as they have in these first two games with McKinnon, then yeah, they will sweep the Blues. But if they have even a little bit of a game, like two periods of a game where they take the game off, I wouldn't be surprised to see this series head back to Colorado for game five. Now, just based on the first two games, this series is not going past game five, barring some miracle from the Blues or meltdown from the Avs. This, this series is going to be wrapped up in, I'd still say, five games. Like, it's hockey. I just can't say with complete certainty that the Avalanche are just going to mop up on the road in St. Louis. As much as I'd like them to, and as much as it'd be nice for them to, and as much as it even looks like they might, it's hockey. Crazy bounces happen. Bennington has shown the ability to goalie us, even though he hasn't so far. So I'd still have to spot the Blues a game on home ice, just maybe. I want this to be a sweep, but it's this is a crazy sport. There, it's hard to get sweeps for a reason. like, And the Blues are going to push harder. I mean, you got Pierre on the broadcast talking, like immediately after the hat trick goal for McKinnon, like me, like, well, you're not really in trouble in a series until you lose on home ice. And, you know, the, the Blues, they played well in the... In the the third period and they, they scared the abs. they scared them you know they scared they scared the abs, and they can build on that like he is so annoyed. like he is openly cheering for the Blues in this series like he's not exactly hiding it he loves Nathan McKinnon I'll give him that but he is just completely cheering for the Blues and completely ignoring most of what the abs do in favor of well the the Blues are initializing their system and this the that's why the Avalanche can't do much here in the late second period and the early third period. That's their system. They've initialized their system, and they've scared the Avs. You know, they're physical on the Avs, and they're dominating the faceoffs, which lets you in on a secret. None of that happened, by the way. He is completely wrong. He had a, just a conception of what would happen if the Blues started to look good in the game and what that would look like, and he kind of stopped watching the game. I don't know why we insist on keep ha- on continuing to have Pierre on these broadcasts. Pierre Maguire is nails on a chalkboard. The guy knows a lot of hockey trivia. I'll give him that. But the guy is not a broadcaster. Stop putting him in a broadcast role. Like, his voice is nails on a chalkboard. And most of all, do not pair him with John forsland Like, it's, it's insulting to John forsland to pair him with Pierre Maguire every single time now that Doc has retired John Forsland is the best voice in hockey he's done the Hurricanes for a long time and really done the secondary big games when when Doc was working and now he's gonna get the big games but they stick him with Pierre who he has absolutely no chemistry with and it's so annoying to listen to as Forsland's trying to talk and like Pierre cuts him off with this completely useless knowledge that has nothing to do with the game, and he's, like, trying to be funny or something, and Forslund's like, yeah, Pierre, <laughs> okay. Like, clearly way too nice of a guy and way too professional to, like, make a snide comment or anything, but it's, like, the tone of his voice screams to me that he wants this man to just stop talking and just let him do his job sometimes. They've really just got to pair him with somebody else at this point but for as much as I've been dumping on the abs for the last little bit here and mad at Kadri they win this game six to three Nathan McKinnon with one of the best performances in avalanche playoff history first hat trick from an avalanche player in the postseason since 1997 and only the fourth since they've relocated to Denver and he's just so I like there's only so many words I can give Nathan McKinnon on just how incredible he was like he if he played like that the entire season he would have passed McKinnon I'm sorry McDavid I'm always get I always get my words mixed up when it's this late at night but he would have at least gone toe-to-toe with McDavid for the Art Ross and at least made that interesting but He's just he's on another level in this series and when he's playing like this, the Blues, the Golden Knights, the Wild, the Hurricanes, anyone in the league, they do not have a chance. They don't. Like just McKinnon alone playing like that, they don't have a chance. And I still think there's more to give from this team because it's really been top-heavy performances from the most part. And like not saying people have played poorly in the series, not whatsoever. I wasn't impressed with most of game 2, but for most of game one and parts of game two, most of this lineup looks pretty good. Like, there's not really anything that I would complain about other than Nemeth, who just sticks out like a sore thumb on this team sometimes. It's... yeah. Really, I like the lines as they are right now. Well, they're gonna change now, now that Kadri's gonna be out of here for a while, so interesting to see what they do with second line. I mean, I still like Joe Nachushkin and Saad, but you're gonna have to figure out something to do. Like, are you gonna put Newhook up there in playoff season? Like, for as much as I've been raving about Newhook, it doesn't seem like they trust him anymore. Like, Newhook has played, he played six minutes in game two, and if I look at the game one stats, he played about seven minutes. So he's not averaging even seven minutes a game in ice time and that ice time sticks out like a sore thumb here like the next lowest ice time on the team for the forward group and this is game two is Nazem Kadri who played 12 minutes and he didn't play the final 10 minutes of this game so after that it's Andre Burakovsky who plays 1250 and got <sighs> if there's one guy I'm disappointed in it's Burakovsky. I'm a little I'm a little disappointed in how silent he's been for the most part in this series. I mean, he gets two shots in this game and one shot in game 1 and a minus 1, the only minus on the team outside of Connor Timmins. Just I was hoping for a little more jump from him after how well he played to end the season. I was really thinking he was going to come into these playoffs burning hot and torch the Blues along with the top line but it just hasn't happened so hopefully we get a little more from him on the road I mean he's elimination game Berkey for a reason so I'm not gonna rip on him too hard until he does this in an elimination game because I still think he's gonna rip up one of those games as well but would like to see more from him honestly but outside of that I mean I think there's more to give from some people. There's some players that just aren't getting bounces their way. Nachushkin have, could have gotten several goals in these first two games. He's gotten, he's gotten hit plenty of his share of shots on goal. I think there's I think games three and four are going to be harder than these two games at home. I think game one was ultimately pretty easy outside of Bennington. If it, not for Bennington, that game could have been 10-1. to 1, And the Avalanche let off the gas a little bit and the Blues showed them that you can't do that or we will make you pay and if you do this on the road in st louis you're you're gonna be coming back home for game five you're gonna lose one of those games you're gonna have to learn that that just that's not acceptable i mean mckinnon said not our best second half of hockey Donskoy says not our best second half of hockey we have to be better and it was bad i mean the Kadri stuff just sucks. Like there was no reason for any of that to happen and now we're going to be down our second line center. And yes, he hasn't been productive for the last little bit, but who are you going to plug in there now that he's not going to be there for you anymore? It's just completely unnecessary and it like I don't think this is going to happen, but it's not off of the table that he might be done for the playoffs. Like the fact that that's on the table is concerning. I don't think that's going to happen, I I think, realistically, I think we might be going the next two rounds without Nazem Kadri. This was not, like, a borderline play, and Kadri is not—he does not have a squeaky clean history. Like, I think this could be an ugly suspension for an ugly, ugly hit. So this could do some serious damage to the team, which sucks. And if we ultimately— like, let's say this is becomes a series and we drop the series to Vegas next round. Like, let's, let's say, like, I'm just purely talking speculation and theoretical scenarios here. Let's say the Avalanche goes 6 or 7 against Vegas and they lose. You don't think they're going to be absolutely furious with Nazem Kadri if he's suspended for those games? They're going to be absolutely furious the same way the Maple Leafs were when they traded him out of town when they went to Game 7 against Boston two years in a row, and he wasn't there because he did dumb shit that got himself suspended. And, like, Carl Soderberg can step in, I suppose, as a centerman, but, like, I just don't think Carl Soderberg is that good. Like, I guess he's a center, but... I guess this is why you got him, but now you're really messing with the lineup. I'd I'd prefer Jost up there, honestly. Like, Maybe you'd bump Donskoy down, but Donskoy's got two goals, man. I don't know how you can bump him down. So do you go Donskoy, Jost, Burakovsky and have Saad, Soderberg, and Nichushkin? Or do you, or do you bump Nichushkin up for Burakovsky because Nichushkin's playing more anyway, so maybe you have Donskoy... Jost, and Nachushkin, and your third line is Saad, Soderberg, and Burakovsky, or I guess you could call that your second line at that point. I depends how you define it, but it just sucks. It, do, it doesn't need to happen. Didn't need to happen. We don't need to be in this position. I hope Justin Falk is okay. I hope he can come back because that's a... If they lose Falk for an extended period of time, which they might, this is a thin blues defense this is a team that is struggling for defensive depth right now i mean is vince i think fairly certain vince dunn is back right is he still not back no he's not back he's still hurt so who knows when he's gonna be coming back and you add dunn and falk to that just players down you've got krug scandela and pareko left i'd say as capable top four Defenseman, and Scandella really is even pushing it. it really comes down to Krug and Pareko as their defensemen and against Nathan McKinnon good luck so that's on un- that's unfortunate for them still no David Perron and just unfortunate like I don't you don't ever want to see that like it doesn't matter who you're playing like you don't ever want to see a guy go down like that that's scary it's just, it sucks that Kadri has now put us in this position. It didn't need to be this way whatsoever. And the Blues are understandably upset. I mean, got O'Reilly talking about it, saying it's a dangerous hit, got to be a suspension, completely uncalled for. And Braden Shen, I mean, you want to pot meet kettle. Braden Shen saying the guy can't control himself, bad hit. But yeah. Pot, meat, kettle, Braden Shen talking about unnecessary. Unbelievable, but it's Kadri's fault. Yeah, I'd be pretty pissed too if I were the Blues in this situation. But ultimately, the Avalanche have come out of all of this with a 2-0 series lead over the St. Louis Blues. They get the wins that they need to on home ice, and they look, for the most part, pretty damn good in doing so. So I still think this is going to be a series... I just maybe think the Blues take one. Honestly I'd, honestly, I'd say it's 50-50 between a sweep and five. Like, maybe the Blues can get some bounces their way and Jordan Bennington can hold the fort, but the Avalanche have a solid shot at a sweep here. Like I said, I think there's still more to give with this team. McKinnon's just on one right now. And if you're getting that in games three and four, you've got a damn good shot of wrapping this series up very, very quickly. I mean, like, we can just say it. The The Blues are not in the same league right now as the Avalanche. It's just honestly that simple. They're not in the same league as this team right now. The The Avalanche are in a whole other atmosphere. So maybe the Blues can steal a game, and yes, they made this game close, but this is not going to be much of a series. These games are going to be close. I'm not saying that these games are going to be 6 nothing blowouts on the road in St. Louis. Like, the first two games had some tension to them, like this game was 3-2 to and then 4-3 to before two empty net goals made this game pull away, and game one was 1-1 to heading into the third period before McKinnon put the team on his back and pulled away, so I think we're gonna need to see more from the other guys on this team. I'd like to see some goals from Mikko Rantanen, yes he got robbed, and yes he's getting his shots on goal, I mean, playing well, not playing bad, not what I'm trying to say, but would nice be nice to see him get on the board. Nice to see Donskoy getting some goals, sod with an empty netter, but I think the guy I'm going to watch in these next two games is going to be Andrei Burakovsky. I th- just think for this team to go on as deep of a run, they're going to need more from him too. So maybe I'll save the criticism for after the elimination games with him just because that's apparently when he remembers how to play, and that's apparently his forte, so I'll leave him to that, but... Abs are in a pretty damn good spot in this series. You look over out in the West right now, Vegas ties their series with Minnesota with a 3-1 win. That series now going to XL Energy Center in Minnesota for 3-4. This is where this series is going to get interesting in Minnesota. Minnesota stealing one in Vegas is massive, like I talked about last episode. That is a huge result because Vegas has never won a regulation game in Minnesota. So if Minnesota can capitalize on that and maybe win two games at home, all of a sudden this series is three to one. That's scary for Vegas. Now, not just I'm not writing that down in pen that that's going to happen. It's the playoffs and it's Vegas. They're a very good hockey team, and anything can happen. But the Wild have put themselves in a pretty damn good spot here to. Maybe put some fear of God into Vegas. Like if Minnesota takes game three, oh boy. Now this now this is scary for Vegas. Cause they're now in a building that they just can't win in. They've won there. They've won overtime games and shootouts there. So wouldn't be groundbreaking for them to win in overtime, but Minnesota winning game three. Now you got something to watch here. I still think this series goes seven. I still have Vegas in seven. But I, th- I think we're in for something here. Personally, I think it's going to be a split in Minnesota. I think Minnesota's going to take game three. And I think Vegas is going to take game four. And Vegas takes five. Minnesota takes six. Vegas takes seven. Vegas moves on. Looking around the rest of the league... All but one series has gotten underway. The, hey, the regular season finally just finished. Vancouver and Calgary finished their stupid little set that the NHL made them play for some godforsaken reason. They made these guys play meaningless games, but now I guess we're all done. Everyone's played 56 games. So looking at that now, draft lottery is all set because apparently that's what we needed to play all this crap for and just... delay the start of the canadian playoffs because meaningless like why couldn't you start the canadian division playoffs before that game i still have not gotten a solid answer for that The the answer i've gotten as to why calgary and vancouver need to play is they need to fulfill their obligation to their sponsors okay this is a business and integrity of the draft lottery which is bullshit but whatever they played the games whatever but why couldn't you start the canadian division playoffs before that These games have literally no impact on that. Why do we need to waste time with waiting until these games are done? Like, they play this game at 3.30 on a weekday and have Winnipeg and Edmonton play game one of their series the same day. Like, why couldn't you just start this on Monday like the Avs did? Like It it just seems like a waste of time. Now you're making both these teams play back-to-backs, or both series play back-to-backs between, what is it, games... Three and four? Like, that's stupid. That's so dumb. You should not be making them do that. That's a complete waste of time. Don't do that. So Toronto and Montreal starts tomorrow. Winnipeg with a win in game one against Edmonton, kind of surprising. I mean, look at the goal scorers here. Tucker Pullman and Dominic Toninato. Those are real. And Kyle Connor Blake wheel with the empty net. Jesse P.R.V. The only goal for Edmonton. That's pretty interesting. McDavid and Drysaddle completely held off the board. McDavid with two shots, like I mentioned earlier. Looking around the rest of the league, Carolina looks like they are well on their way to mopping the floor with the Nashville Predators. 5-2 win in game one and a 3 nothing win in game two. Two of those goals admittedly coming in the final minute. One empty netter, one just trickler finds its way through Soros, but Even then, I still think Nashville gets a game. Sweeps are hard. But this is a real interesting one. Tampa Bay, 2-0 series lead over Florida. They take both games at BB&T Center. I think this series is far from over. Again, don't think a sweep is coming here. I think Florida is going to take a game here in Tampa, and I think they could take two. I think this is going to get very interesting here. I think this is a I think this is a misdirection right now that we think oh well, Tampa they're back they've got all their guys and they're gonna find a way to run over the poor Panthers with Kucherov and Stamkos back. I think they're going to underestimate Florida a little bit now that they're on home ice and I think we're going to head back to Florida tied. I still think Tampa wins that series in seven games. I believe I had it, but. That's still going to be a fun series. Penguins tie the series against the Islanders with a 2-1 win. Not much to talk about there. Uh, This is not a Caps podcast. I am only mentioning the results here. Boston takes two consecutive overtime games over the, the Caps. This is a very painful, painful series to watch because they're fun games, I'm sure, if you're not a fan of any of these teams. But as a fan of one of them, I want to rip my hair out. That is the last I'm saying about that game before this episode becomes two hours long. So that's essentially what's going on in the league right now. Avalanche with a 2-0 series lead over the Blues. Games 3 and 4 coming up on Friday and Sunday. I will be recording well after Game 4 on Sunday since it's taking place at a much more reasonable time for me at around... 5 in the afternoon, I believe it is. 5 Eastern time on Sunday. Yes, it is. So I will do my best to catch most of that game. I'm going to see that game, or at least most of it, and talk about game three and four after that. And if we get there, game five on Tuesday, the 25th. Honestly, might not need it at this rate, but. Yeah, we're going to be all caught up on games three and four in that point. Playoffs are going to be well underway at that point. Things are shaping up pretty interesting right now. So going to be a fun journey the rest of the way. Avalanche off to a good start on their Stanley Cup run. That is going to do it for me on this episode of the Tell It, Abs It, Is podcast. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. As always, I really appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter at G Young's NHL and follow the show at Tell It, Abs It, Is. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you all next time where maybe just maybe the avalanche will be off to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs.